a case that divided opinion, punisher or criminal. Jody was 11 years old when he was kidnapped by his taekwondo teacher and held captive for two weeks until the police located him. Everything seemed fine until during the corpus delicti examination the actual facts of the case came to light. Jody's father, Gary, lost control in anger and without measuring the consequences, took an attitude of revenge during a live broadcast across the country. This is the story of Gary and Jody Plush. In 1983, Jody Plush was a 10-year-old boy, the son of Gary and June Plush. The family lived in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Like the vast majority of other kids his age, he loved playing sports. One of his favourite sports was Taekwondo. His father, Gary, enrolled him in a Taekwondo school where Jeffrey Paul Doucet was an instructor. Not much is known about Jeffrey. He was born in Port Arthur, Texas on February 3rd, 1959. At some point, Jeffrey moved to Baton Rouge, set up his fight academy, and it was at this moment that his life intersected with the life of the Plosh family. When he met his new student in 1983, Jeffrey was 24 years old. He actually lived in the Taekwondo school where he trained the children. Due to financial pressures, he was unable to afford a property as a residence and another as a place of work. He didn't have any close friends or family that anyone knew of, but he was loved by his students. He had gained both their trust and the trust of their parents. Families trusted him so much that Jeffrey even took his students skating to the movies and to competitions out of state. He was considered a special teacher by all his students. Jody was a shy boy and for the Plosh family, the Taekwondo instructor was the perfect company for his son. On one occasion, Jeffrey was even invited to the Plosh house for a family dinner. Unfortunately, sometime later, when Jody was about to turn 11, Jeffrey began to reveal his unimaginably dark side to the boy. The instructor began to abuse the child throughout 1983. According to police reports, the abuse occurred almost daily, whether it was because of his shyness or because of fear due to threats he had received. Jody didn't tell anyone what had happened. Jeffrey also had fits of jealousy, saying things like, You like your father more than me. I'm more than a father to you. I do everything for you. The abuse continued. On February 19th, 1984, Jeffrey, who was about to be called to testify for writing bad checks, kidnapped Jody and took him to a hotel in California. On that day, Jody did not return home after going for a walk with Jeffrey. When Gary went to the gym to look for him, everything was closed. The boys often went out with their teacher, so he waited. But the hours passed and nothing happened. Gary and June called the police. Just ten days later, on February 29th, Jeffrey let the boy call his family to say everything was fine. The police were already on hand to trace the call. 
Gary stayed on the line long enough for the location of the call to be identified. And so, on that same day, Jody was rescued and Jeffrey arrested. Jeffrey had dyed the boy's hair in an attempt to disguise him. Up until that moment, both the police and the family thought that the kidnapping was just a crazy man who wanted Jody to be his son. But at the police station, during the corpus delicti examination, the barbarity was revealed. Jody later spoke of his months of abuse. He said it was so obvious that he couldn't understand why no one realised what was happening to him. Even at the age of 11, he already knew there was something wrong with Jeffrey, but he couldn't say anything because he had been threatened and was afraid. He waited for everyone to find out. Gary, his father, aged 38, was enraged. You cannot imagine what was going through his head when he realised that the man he had trusted with his son, who he even invited to dinner at his house, had been abusing his son for a year. In the following days, Jeffrey was questioned and admitted that he too had been abused as a child and in later life began molesting children himself. Two weeks after the arrest, on March 17th, Jeffrey was to be escorted by police from California to Baton Rouge for trial. Gary knew an WBRZ TV employee and it is unclear whether he freely told Gary or Gary asked as to when Jeffrey would arrive at the airport. What is known is that Gary learned of the exact arrival time of the flight and which corridor Jeffrey would pass through. Several TV station crews were there to cover it. So during that night, Gary, in disguise, wearing a baseball cap and sunglasses, stood at the airport payphone talking to a friend, waiting for Jeffrey to pass by. Once Gary saw him, he took out a gun and shot Jeffrey in the right side of his skull. All TV stations filmed the whole tragedy in real time. The cops grabbed Gary. For a few minutes, they thought he was just a random stranger until one of them recognised him and said, Why, Gary? Why? Gary was arrested and charged with second-degree murder. Jeffrey was rushed to the hospital, but succumbed to his injuries and died the next morning. While incarcerated, Gary was analysed by mental health professionals, and it was concluded that he had suffered a mental breakdown after discovering that his son had been physically abused. He insisted on saying that a voice in his head told him that he had to kill Jeffrey to prevent him harming the boy again. Gary was initially charged with second-degree murder, but agreed to a plea deal. He was given a seven-year suspended sentence with five years probation and 300 hours of community service which he completed in 1989. In several interviews, Gary always said that he doesn't regret what he did and that if he went back in time, he would do it all over again. In 2011, Gary suffered a stroke, following another one on October 2014. At 68, he passed away. The boy, now a grown man, was very upset with his father at the time. He said he didn't want Jeffrey to die, that his arrest was enough, 
but over time he re-established his relationship with his father. He said that both his father and mother helped him so much in his psychological recovery phase that extended into adulthood. Jody did not openly comment on his case until in 2019, at the age of 45, he released a book called Why Gary, Why? where he gave a detailed account of the events that occurred and offered parents tips and encouragement to be more involved with their children. In his book he says, If someone wants to spend more time with your child than you do, that's a red flag. To this day, Jody still has the shirt his father wore the day he took Jeffrey's life. He said he wanted people to know that Gary was a good man. He wasn't a murderer. He was a friend, an excellent father who was disgusted to learn what his son had been through at the hands of an abuser, and for that reason alone decided to take justice into his own hands. Jody doesn't agree with what his father did, but he wants people to understand that he was not a bad man. Was Gary a punisher or simply a murderer? I expect your opinion in the comments. See you on the next case. Hey, você se interessa por crimes reais, serial killers, coisas macabras e tem um senso de humor um tanto quanto sórdido? Se sim, você não está sozinho. Se você precisa de um lugar recheado de pessoas como você, venha conhecer o podcast Pátria Amada Criminal. Todas as semanas tentamos entender o pior da humanidade. Nesse processo a gente ri, chora, fica brava, fofoca, porque afinal de contas é assim que a gente fala quando está entre amigos. Suas novas melhores amigas trevosas estão aqui no Pátria Amada Criminal. 